I got the gospel of hip hop here. I'm gonna turn to this page real quick. Let me set the tone. I want to read part of uh, what KRS KRS was um, talking about with hip hop. I always revisit this because um, I do think it's like a. Ooh. I do think it's like a really good. Um, preservation of original hip-hop culture um and a lot of what hip-hop is is now such a corporate commodified thing but i think that we oftentimes lose the spiritual root um and the the true cultural inheritance um that comes with being hip-hop and what it means to um to have aboriginal roots and live in a colonized world and what kind of technologies were preserved and what those technologies did to assist you in your liberation so um it goes into all of that and it really um lays hip-hop out as a historical social spiritual um thing versus this corporate thing um actually the essay i want to get into here is the one that talks about this hang on real quick i am scrolling through my digital version because that's what i have <laughs> millennial as fuck oh okay okay no okay this is where it came to i don't i didn't want to read this but i'm gonna read it though uh, it's the first overstanding of hip-hop um uh, Hang on, Mary. Hey, everybody. Been running out and shopping with my ears. Yes, keep it safe and sacred. Anthony Parts got me wanting to go out and get real nasty. Equipped with a bag of cat. Can't lie. Grateful for the sacred energy of the site. Peace to you. Thank you so much for joining us from Ireland. Yes. Um, so hip-hop is about to reach all specs, um, spectrums and all um, corners of the earth right now through this uh, broadcast. So shout out. To you, Mary, for tuning in. Same for jazz and blues. Yep. I mean, he talks about this as well because hip-hop samples all of those old records being the children of people who collected them and it was made for, you know, it was community records. Um, and again, it's the same process, but now the technology has changed is what KRS lays out. And now the accessibility um, to make music, the democracy of music in that innate expression in black people becomes more um, self-determined, more realized because it's fired by the black power movement. It's fired by all these different um, evolutions within black culture. And then by the time that Generation X gets here, y'all in a whole other dimension. So we're gonna go into that. And then hopefully I do have SP, SP100 and Maria Judas here who are members of Generation X who are innate hip-hop, everything about these women's essences, they're completely different kinds of black women, but everything about their essences is hip-hop. Um, so hopefully we can get them on to Scythe um, about what they think about the state of hip-hop. And also, you know, what KRS is saying here. So here we go. The first overstanding, and it's called Real Hip-Hop. Okay, so this is the one they want us to hear. All right, ancestors, y'all better arrange this. Um, 
Oh, nah, I'm. I, I, I was gonna put some. Yeah, I should put on some Jay Dilla. I should put on some Jay Dilla. I know I'm such a buzzkill. Sometimes. It's all in good purpose. Who knows what this recording could be, and why would I not have Jay Dilla in the background? Uh, I'm gonna go to this one, The Lost Scrolls. Oh yeah, here we go. Peace and much love. Know this. Like hip-hop itself, the gospel of hip-hop is to be lived, not to be read. It is to be done, not just watched. To be expressed, not just studied and taught to others. For when you are hip-hop, you feel hip-hop. And it is through the feelings and the emotions, the heart, that hip-hop's inner secrets are revealed. Studying hip-hop, debating hip-hop, and writing about hip-hop are like observing a fashionable suit in the window of a clothing store. While doing hip-hop, being hip-hop, and living hip-hop are like putting the suit on and walking around town. There's simply no comparison, and that is what we call real hip-hop. A real hip-hopper believes, be, and lives, he breaks down, hip-hop. For it is a wise, for it is wise for a real chef to believe in the reality of cooking. And a real doctor to believe and live in the reality of medicine. And a real Christian to believe and live in, as an example, the reality of Christ. Therefore, it is not equally wise for real hip-hoppers to believe and live in hip-hop. Hang on. Therefore, is it not equally wise for hip-hoppers to believe and live in hip-hop? On the other hand, why participate in something that you really do not fully be or live in? Real relates to fixed or immovable things like land. When hip-hop is real to you, when it is fixed and immovable from your being, you are practicing real hip-hop. When something is real, it is considered to be genuine and or authentic. It is what it proposes to be. It is not imaginary. It is actually existing and occurring to our physical senses. The term real hip-hop relates to fixed conditions and genuine nature of hip-hop as it appears to our physical senses today. Breaking, MCing, graffiti art, DJing, beatboxing, street fashion, street language, street knowledge, street entrepreneurialism are all fixed conditions of hip-hop. These elements are permanent and immovable from the existence of hip-hop. These elements are real hip-hop. And those who promote and preserve these elements promote and preserve real hip-hop. When these elements are not present in one's self-expression, one is not doing or being real hip-hop. I really... Okay, so breaking, MCing, graffiti art, DJing, beatboxing, street fashion, street language, street knowledge, and street entrepreneurialism. The fixed... Ooh, that fixed condition of hip-hop the ground the reality that is on lives on and again he talks about these things because these were natural actions that people who were living in the bronx and people who were living in communities where hip-hop culture was being breathed where it's being lived where it was being and living people was tagging walls mastering their skills as djs Learning how to create drums through the body, through beatboxing, you know, dressing themselves up, being fly, creating language through street language, you know, create, um, building knowledge that uplifts the people, keeping it amongst the community, and then obviously dancing, breaking, um, and then street entrepreneurialism. There's so many examples of that. One of my favorite street entrepreneurs is Dawub and Awiblay. Please look him up. He is a comic artist. 
Um, and this brother is hip hop to the mother core. Um, and he created, he basically created another universe. <laughs> no joke. Um, I'm not gassing it. He literally calls it Big City. Um, it's a whole comic book line around it. He's black American. Um, he's an incredible human being, actually. But he uh, built a headquarters called Big City Publishing or something. It was basically a place where he would work. And he used his st his place as a studio. And he also taught kids and just really upkept that part, which is what? Graffitiing, street knowledge, street entrepreneur. Like he's doing three branches in one building, you see. So just to show you the dimensions that exist uh, within these fixed conditions that he's talking about. These fixed conditions are not the frames that you're seeing and you're like, oh, graffiti. But like, think of us, I practice graffiti every day when I wake up and journal, when I wake up and sketch out the future, when I'm living this life through my notebooks. That's graffiti right there. You know, it's the same scribing craft, um, but it's taken to a hip hop is using me in this dimension. My instrument is being used in that. And this is flowing in that way. You know, it's not on walls, it's on paper. Okay, anyway. Um, the true hip-hop scholar apprentice is studying to become hip-hop, not just to observe it. How can anyone claim authentic scholarship on something that they themselves are not equally um, and cannot do? Where, then, is your authority to teach? Our perspective on hip-hop and its culture is not an objective one. We love hip-hop, we live hip-hop, and we are not ashamed and afraid to say that we are hip-hop. We are real hip-hop. However, it should be clearly understood that even though we are a great emphasis upon the mastery of one or more hip hop's real elements, I must even though we are all even though we place great emphasis upon the mastery of one of the more one or more elements of hip hop's real elements, I must confess here as well that it's really one's love and loyalty to hip hop that rests as the fundamental foundation to hip hop scholarship and citizenry. For there are those who have mastered hip-hop's real elements but have yet to truly love and care for hip-hop itself and its future development. For there are those who rap, break, DJ, piece, tag, and beatbox very well but still find it difficult to consider the real lives of those who are influenced by, artistic, influenced by them artistically and culturally. Many have mastered hip-hop's artistic elements but only a few have mastered themselves. Many who have mastered hip-hop's artistic elements still find it difficult to contribute to even towards hip-hop's artistic preservation. However, other hip-hoppers have not mastered any hip-hop artistic elements but the passion and loyalty that they have brought to hip-hop. The very conditions to the understanding of hip-hop in many ways are more substantial than even the contribution of those who have mastered hip-hop's artistic elements. For it is one's love for hip-hop that can truly make one hip-hop scholar and citizen. And your love is proven within your commitment and your work and your sacrifices. It is through your works that your true love is revealed. It is through your sacrifices that your true nature is revealed. The nature or name of your true self is revealed within the creation and expression of the true self, which requires a real commitment towards building of your true self and not the role that you may model but your authentic self. This is the, what most of humanity has taken away. Our, our true nature, which gives people the ability to govern themselves. 
This is what we are missing, knowledge of ourselves. Without such knowledge, we have no way of controlling or directing ourselves. Okay. By not speaking our native ancient languages, by not eating our native foods or dressing in our native clothing or playing our native games or hearing our ancient stories that pertain to us and our circumstances, combined with no clear, definite community leadership or group plan or revolutionary scholarship, it is indeed very difficult to hold on to our ancient humanity, the awareness of our true names. That's what he calls ancient um, humanity. However, we are gods. And the absence of self-knowledge is actually the trigger that sets the universe in motion towards self-knowledge. Mastery is indeed the greatest motivator towards knowledge. As it turns out, not totally knowing our ancestral past has created the possibility of starting a new and even brighter future. We create and recreate ourselves right now, not knowing what causes one to know. And so, the same force that built our civilizations 10,000 years ago Seeking, searching, discovering, not knowing, he puts in parentheses, is the same force that has given life to hip-hop today. This is one reason why the whole world understands our cultural language. We are the return of the original human spark that caused all great civilizations to exist. This instrument establishes the existence and preservation of our hip-hop community. Our truth is self-evident. We must first believe that we exist and then we must perceive the powers of our existence. The instrument begins the creation of hip-hop's faith in itself and powers. Our first truth must be an awareness of our own reality as hip-hoppers. We must first believe that we exist and we are to develop ourselves into a strong hip-hop community capable of raising our collective quality of life. I'm going to stop it there because it can keep going. Come back, Dilla. Where you at, Dilla? Come back. Where you at, my? Where you at, Della? There you go. Turn you up. Okay. Hey. The care in hip hop. The care of hip hop. Ooh, let's see what this is. Ooh, ooh, let's play this. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hey. Yeah. Let's go. Many MCs focus in on black people extermination. We keep it balanced with that knowledge of self determination. It's hot, we be blowing the spots with conversations. Come on, let's smooth it out like soul sensation. We in the house like Japanese in Japan or Koreans in Korea. Had the Philly and Free Mumia with the Kooji Chagalia. True, singing and swinging and writing is fighting. But what they writing got is clashing like titans. It's not exciting, no question. Being a black man is demanding. The fires in my eyes and the flames need fanning. The fires in my eyes and the flames need fanning. The fires in my eyes Eyes and the flames need fanning with that one determination with that one determination with that one determination with that one Maria SP100 do y'all want to get on this zoom call and siphon what we just um, read there a little bit I got some thoughts I definitely want to share but only if y'all want to I would love to hear what y'all 
what y'all think, what y'all say. It's the next stage, the flash goes underground, the book of life flip a page. Yo, they asking me how old we live in the same age. I feel the rage of a million niggas locked inside a cage. At exactly which point do you start to realize that life without knowledge is death in disguise? That's why knowledge itself is like life after death. Apply it to your life, let destiny manifest. Different days, same confusion. We're gonna take this hip hop shit and keep it moving. Shed a little light, now y'all blooming like a flower with the power of the evidence. Voices and drums, original instruments in the flesh, presently presenting my representation with that word. Determination with that word. Determination with that word. Determination with that word. Determination with that word. Determination. So count your blessings, cause time can't define the essence But you're stressing over time and you follow the Roman calendar These people in the colon like Attica You can bet they trying to lock you down like Attica The African diaspora represents strength in numbers A giant can't slumber forever I know you gotta get that cheddar, whatever And yo, I heard you twice the first time, money, get it together You must be history, you repeating yourself out of the pages You keeping yourself depleting your spiritual wealth That quick cash, you'll get your ass quick fast And houses of detention, inner city concentration camps Where no one pays attention to mentions the Ascension of death till nothing's left. The young gifted in black is sprung addicted to crack. All my people, where y'all at? Cause y'all ain't where here, and your heroes using your mind as a canvas to paint fear with broad brush strokes and tales of incarceration. You get out of jail with that knowledge of self determination, standing ovation because you put the hue in human, cause and effect, affect everything you doing. That's why I got love in the face of hate. Hand steady, so the lines in the mental illustration is straight. That thought you had don't even contemplate. Infinite, like figure eight, there's no escape. From that word, determination. From that word, determination. From that word, determination. From that word, determination. Cosmic Cousin Kansu right here. That was Talil Kweli uh, drop in um, from Maria Judas, Black Star, Most Def. Yes, Knowledge of Cell, which um, Karis was talking about there in the Gospel of Hip Hop. I um, sent a link out to Maria and uh, Stacy Patrice. 
y'all can do whatever y'all want with it. Um, but the Zoom is open. I would love to have y'all in. Honestly, uh, I kind of... My existence in hip-hop is really organic. Um, and it's very unconscious for a long time, too. Um, so when I hear this, I feel like it just kind of makes me uh, conscious of what I was always in, but not very, not really having the language to articulate it, especially like that. Um, and um, yeah, okay. So I really think you kind of—it's like how I was talking about Afrofuture. Like you kind of realize yourself in Afrofuture. Like when he talks about like the elements, the instinctual elements, how it came out with graffiti, uh, MCN, DJ, and beatboxing, street fashion. I mean, these were just things that were a part of my environment, you know? Um, and I think the big thing that this kind of language does for me is it not only helps me understand myself from a heritage standpoint, you know, like, oh, okay, I'm like a natural product of something that's been here before me, that's evolving and mutating um, as the world is changing. But I think also it makes me step out of thinking of having to monetize it, really, um, and really thinking about how do I, how do I learn to master this, you know? these kinds of texts really help artists like me to think more vertically um, about the craft and about the talent that and the, the gifts that come with being a hip hopper. Not just pouring it into just trying to make a little a quick buck off of it, you know, but pouring into the mastery of this expression and and, and really being in tune with the ancient dimensions that come with it so that ancient you know i was talking about that before so yeah that ancient part is ooh, 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 ooh. so interesting it's an unconscious and that's why i love um how hip-hop has showed itself to me is that it it, it really tapped me into a memory that nobody was talking about in my family and it that was taboo you know it, it brought it out of me and it made it um normal it just normalized it for me um, sometimes it's hard to feel normal when you black in america because <laughs> ain't shit normal about that experience Okay, we got the black women in the house. Hey y'all. What up? Turn this down. Hey, Stacy Patrice, this Thank is you. Maria Judas. Um, Maria is in San Francisco, um, and Stacy is in Chicago. 
Well, yeah, yeah, Chicago. South. Deep yes. South proper. <laughs> um, so, yeah, now y'all are like um, teachers for me um, of hip-hop in different ways. I think, Maria, for me, you're, you're, you're shaped me as a thinker and to really get me into the art of thinking, um, like really take that serious. And Stacy, you have been um, my yoga guru. <laughs> you have taught me the hip hop of yoga um, and how many dimensions um, exist in that um, expression of hip hop. So I wanna know what y'all think um, as Generation X and you know, people who existed in communities that ex- that lived hip hop. You know, it was y'all's DNA. It was your natural organism. Like, how did y'all hear that text, and how do? You, what are your thoughts on it? I need. I need. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. I just. Yeah. I just need. I need. Um. I need a second to sit in it, right? Because um, as I may have been expressing to you earlier, yeah. a lot of a lot of hip hop to me is so innate. It's not something that I think about as being um, this exterior thing because I grew up with it, because I listen to it, because I love it, because I still remember lyrics from yeah. decades and decades and decades ago. When I think about it, it just seems kind of obvious, right? It's like, well, of course, like, you know, <laughs> it's like what what was going on before the corporations took it over was the most organic artistic mm-hmm. beautiful thing any of us had ever seen it was completely revolutionary and a one of one kind of expression and so i literally don't you typically listen to music or hip hop music that was produced outside of the very 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 beginning of 2000 <laughs> you, um, percent I, mm. I have a hard time yeah it's it's hard because it's like when you know what something used to be then when you see it being knocked off or it's changing it feels like you're you're cheating you're you're watering it down it's like a person who has always um mm-hmm. had hand-me-downs and vintage clothes from real fashionistas in their family when they see the stuff on the runways they're like you've got to be kidding me because this is not <laughs> this is this is a facsimile of what it was that I used to love and enjoyed, but now it's more mm-hmm. or less something that has been changed and co-opted in a way. And so there's a bitterness, I will say for sure. There's a bitterness I feel about what happened to hip hop um, alongside the immense love I have for it and you know how my love for it won't die. So everything KRS, KRS is one of my teachers. So everything KRS says, um, comes from a real pure intention place, in my opinion. Um, he's just a library and a, a canon of thought. And mm-hmm. so for me, that um, what you were reading was was spot on. I can't really pick out anything in particular to start with, just that what was said was important and real and made sense to me. So, Yeah. Uh, can you turn down the chimes just a little? Um yeah. I, I I agree with everything she's saying, and I, I think that innate part um, is core to us as Black people, right? That within our own DNA, hip-hop sprung, 
and it sprung from the same roots that jazz sprung from, that um, uh, spirituals, slave spirituals sprung from, that blues sprung from, right? It was already a code for us to speak our truth encoded to each other where when hip hop first, you know, birth, like nobody knew what the fuck we were talking about and we were just <laughs> talking to each other. Um, and so you have this coded language coded language and then you have the deciphering of the language and then you have the commodifying of the language that then uses our coded language against us um and that is pop culture that's the commercialism um and so even when you played the um black star album that that album is all all about like this idea of coded language knowledge itself is coming at out of Black Panthers, it's coming out of um, uh, Black Muslims, it's coming out of Black radical ideology. There's so much what they're telling you is about Black culture that is coded that white culture has not embraced and taken on. Black psychology, Black intellectuals, Black leadership, and, and for the most part, um, also demonized a lot of these figures. And our hip hop culture during that time is telling us, don't forget Shay. Don't forget Malcolm. Oh, yeah. Don't don't even forget Martin was in it too. Like, but remember Martin. the radical side of Martin, not the martyr side of Martin. Right. right? Like our hip hop culture, and I'm not saying today. I just don't know enough of today to really talk on today. Um, but and I I just I also just have a hard time with um, I have a hard time with the levels of money we're making in hip hop without the levels of radical action that we're doing in hip hop, right? Because if you mm. think of uh, uh, Run DMC or you think of NWA, those are radical songs innate to the culture of protest, uprising and black lives. And they radically changed and transformed mm. not just black music, but they changed, transformed black people. Right, I was a kid in the '90s with a Flavor Flav um, necklace on that I handmade out of some stuff, but trying to understand like that sense of walking down the street and Spike Lee with him and films there with him, and, yeah. and and they're all talking about Black Power. Yes, yes. And little white kids coming around the corner talking about Black Power. Right. Right. Like, I mean, there is also this like my, my favorite thing to always like understand, like I come from a culture where we used to have hardcore discussions on what is real hip hop and what is not. And we yep. constantly did this calling of hip hop that was like, nah, nah, <laughs> you get thrown out to cipher because yes. this ain't what we about. We throwing you out. And then yeah. we constantly were checking motherfuckers on the use of the N word. Right. Even our own people were not throwing the n-word around like it was that easy and yes there was actual discourse about why we should use it why it was a radical stance for us to use it and how we were using it and then checking white boys when they use it remember we came for eminem we yep. came for him yep yeah i i agree all of that um you know, I, I remember those those conversations as well, those conversations about, you know, OK, we like kid and play, but really, mm. you know, <laughs> really, you know, they're not public enemy. They're not conscious. And then that whole conscious hip hop movement, that idea that because someone was speaking consciousness, that it was separate from hip hop instead of being part of hip hop. Um, 
that is when I think the divide really started or when I recognized that it was starting um, was when we started to see that there were uh, different streams of income <laughs> happening through hip hop and that they were mm. like going to separate, you know, the Chuck D's of the world um, mm -hmm. from from the Coolio's of the world, <laughs> which is not even hip hop, right? Mm -hmm. But they were they were going to make a money move, uh, you know, sample a couple of drums, make it sound, give it that hip hop, quote unquote, hip hop sound. But the hip hop sound is determined by the people who lived it and the rhythms that they came up with. It's not determined by does it have this drum beat? Does it have this uh, included ingredient? Yep. It really came from what people were feeling and how they effectively like channeled that into the music. And then the way that it was channeled into the music definitely affected how we received it from their channeling. And so it was still speaking to particular, I, I will say it was still a very tribal thing. It was definitely speaking to tribes of, of people. Um, yeah. And then there were, you know, different figureheads they started creating. And I remember when Hammer came out, people would just look dumbfounded. Like, what is this? You know, and it was like, what is this? You know, it was kind mm -hmm. of confusing because they were, I remember even going to the record store, like, where's your hip hop? Oh, the rap is over there. No. I said, where's your hip hop? <laughs> it's like this whole war between rap music and mm -hmm. hip hop music started. And totally. what's the difference between the two? And it was, it was an entire evolution that happened. So that's why I said earlier, you know. Can I even like jump in to say like yeah. even evolution that happens with Run DMC? It's it's really about uh, not Run DMC, sorry, um, MC Hammer. Um, it is an economic revolution that MC Hammer was having, and so was Master P having. Because check the receipts, like they own their masters, right? At this mm. time, there was like this mm -hmm. insane like commodification, not just of rap music. But of graffiti artists getting getting um, museumed, right? Like I don't even know how to say it. All of a sudden, your graffiti is now being on a canvas, and you're getting millions of dollars for shit that used yeah. to put radical messages on other people's property, and yes. now you're getting commodified and assimilated into this space. So we're yeah. losing graffiti artists. We're losing lyricists and rappers in the music space. We're losing people in the fashion world because the fashion world is asking you to come in and consult mm -hmm. for them. And so yep. they're taking, they're taking mm -hmm. the fashion and putting it Louis Vuitton. They putting it in blah blah blah. Um, mm -hmm. And then and then the and, and then the the dance right the the dance yeah. of the culture. Um, mm -hmm. is being confided. But I don't even I can't even name the number of music videos right TikTok. that you'll be like. Uh, uh, hold on one second. When y'all was banning right street artists from dancing in the mm -hmm. streets, now all of a sudden you putting this quote unquote kind of stuff in your music video. I don't even know what it was. it's like laughable now when we look at it. Like this isn't what we're yeah. doing. But there's this that whole all. economic revolution that is happening. Um, that is coming. I will say from the Bay, right? Master yeah. P, MC Hammer, both coming from the Bay and really understanding Black Panthers as their forebrothers and, and, and coming from that ideology to say, I'm owning this and I'm putting money back into the people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, even though, you know, Lil Wayne got his, you know, issues, Lil Wayne is still coming from that. So when New Orleans shut down, he was mm -hmm. like, nothing's happening. Like, let me go to the place, buy the projects, 
give food to my people and put money back in. And and that is hip hop culture, right? Like you mm -hmm. might go over here, spook that set by the door and make your money in the white place with all the mm -hmm. white people, but you're gonna come back around and drop these dollars mm -hmm. in the hood, right? That's what right. the pimps did, that's what the gangs did, right? Like that's the culture we yep. all come from in the streets. Mm -hmm. That's what hip hop mm -hmm. culture is. You do what you gotta do to feed your people, not you do what you gotta do to feed yourself and look fly all right. the time. Right. All right. <laughs> I understand that. I was I was telling Constance earlier how, you know, uh, Generation X is really um, a generation that experienced and created a lot of innovation that got overlooked because the technology was trying to capitalize and profitize off of everything. And so, you know, the idea mm -hmm. that one day there would be a streaming service where you don't even need to buy music anymore and you just, you know, um, purchase, you know, a streaming membership is laughable to me because we had Napster. Like, I don't even know how you, <laughs> how you, you know, annihilate this person, but then, you know, okay, well, we'll cut you in on a piece, but we're going to do this in a bigger way. Or just thinking how many of the artists, like even with, you know, Chuck D and Public Enemy, how many artists tried to go direct to consumer and got laughed at, you know, because it was like, you, you don't, you're not, you don't have a label. You don't have a deal. You're not relevant. It was like this, this whole shifting to the corporate you idea. You have been accepted by the white culture. So you're laughable right. it was just about us being accepted by each other. I right. mean, remember albums out your trunk. Sankofa for segregation. And we yep. just trying to, we just, it's all word of mouth. Like black people got the best uh, blockchain ever, right? Yeah. They yeah. are like, who you got that from? Where I get it? Okay, you authenticated by you having it and listening to it. So that means it's accepted and now I'm going, that's our blockchain. We already had two, two point authentication. We got that on lock. Yes, yes, yes. To this other space. Blue check, pre blue right? check. <laughs> exactly. Pre blue check. No, serious. It's, it's, it's maddening. And so that's what I meant earlier when I was just saying like, you know, the true leaders of hip hop have already spoken. If people went and feasted on the music that they made during that time, it ain't a whole lot that is irrelevant <laughs> that's coming no, no. from hip hop in this time. Like you can go back and check a lot of that music and it still has the same power, the same impact, the same energy. I still get chills when I listen to Black Star. I still fight the power to this day. Every time I see that video, I don't care where I am, I still get chills. There's still an energy that was very tangible and present because we realized, you know, we knew we knew Public Enemy was getting death threats. I mean, that was common knowledge, yeah. but it was like, yeah. it was still like, but they still making albums. They're still in a label deal and Chuck is still spitting. He's still here. He's, He's still, still here. So it's like, you know, he was coming to the college. He came to Chicago. I remember one time where I met him and sat and talked with a group of people in this at Chicago State University for like three hours. He, he didn't have a mic in front of him. We just all gathered around him and started talking about what we, felt what we felt was going on with our communities and ourselves and this was like in the early 2000s um but it, it was not for a um it wasn't pr it wasn't for people to buy his next album it wasn't it wasn't any of that it was simply man chuck still has something to say whether we like it or not and i mean i look at chuck d like i look at prince you know like mm -hmm. i look at a lot of artists that and i don't care what music you're making you're relevant 
And to me, that's what gets lost in this cancel culture. That's what gets lost in all of this foolery that happens when people start to um, reduce people to whether they're relevant in this second right now. It's like they've always been relevant. And until they say something that speaks against that, they remain mm -hmm. relevant. Just mm -hmm. like a lot of our civil rights leaders, they remain mm -hmm. relevant. They don't ever have to do another march. They don't ever have to get in front of another mic or another crowd to say another word. They're relevant because of the simple fact that what they did sustains as solid over time. And that's how I feel about a lot of 90s hip hop, early, early hip hop, uh, you know, 80s hip hop, late 80s hip hop for me. Um, and just, you know, looking at this time as a time where a lot of them are just getting the respect and the due that they have been owed for I don't know how long. People are like, Queen Latifah, man, she's, she's doing so much. I'm like, Queen was one of the first people offering people their masters. Like, this is not new for Queen Latifah. She's been doing this, you know? And so it's it, just like, <laughs> that history just isn't available to us. If we didn't even have social media and we knew this stuff, you know? So it's like that history somehow did not get translated, mm -hmm. the music did not get handed on, or it did not uh, you know, receive a, the corporate stamp, and so people think that it wasn't as valuable or it didn't exist, and it's just the biggest farce there is, so. And, you know, I, I also want to say this, I remember there's this time in, in uh, grad school um, where I went to a very arty white grad school, and I was huge into hip-hop, like, you know, like I still was very, very hip hop, very hip hop. And I, it, it, they eventually beat it out of me. Um, but I remember we had um, Melvin Van Peoples come in and Melvin Van Peoples was talking to us and Melvin Van Peoples was like, you know, I'm the godfather of rap. And right, all these right. white boys like tripped the fuck out. They were like, you can't say that, you can't say that. And it was Melvin Van Peoples for me. So I right. was like, Melvin Van Peoples can say whatever he wants. Whatever. I right, don't right. care. He right. he flirting with me too. I'm just like, grandpappy, yeah. you got it. You, you, <laughs> it's like so complicated in this space, but like he's Melvin Van Peoples. And right. he schooled, like the, the white boys like actually left the room. This is how fucking rude they were not understanding who Melvin Peoples was, what he was saying in terms of like larger culture and black culture and cinema at that time. Yeah. Oh yeah, without question. Like it was so oh, sad. He was like, I get money. He's like, and I, I fuck bitches. Motherfucker, like 80 some <laughs> years old at the time talking about he still do a hundred pushups every, every day and still look good. I mean, he did still look good, but he was pointing, right. out, pointing out the fact that, you know, he came from that same time period of the last poets and everybody in that time period like him, artists were kind of uh, uh, in experimenting with this kind of beats and words, right? Speaking over music, speaking over albums. And if you really look at the last poets as maybe one of the first hip hop albums, that's kind of interesting to mm -hmm. see this evolution happen or this collective consciousness happen at the same time where you got radical black ideology happening over music and then you have house parties happening where they're just trying to scat over music just talk over mm -hmm. music to to keep people from being evicted from their houses and all that's happening in the same time right mm -hmm. and in insular insulated spaces not to white culture to black people to right. black culture mm -hmm. to revolutionary culture to radical culture so I, I, I think there's something also um, interesting that you said about cancel culture, because I don't really, 
I don't really prescribe to cancel culture at all. I don't really understand. Like, there's people like, you know, I ain't fucked with R. Kelly since, like, he was bumping in his Jeep, you know? Like, right, right, right. <laughs> no, I, I was raised during the whole Aaliyah period, and so motherfuckers mm-hmm. ain't fucked with him in a long, long time. Long time, yeah. So, you know, he get canceled in 2017, 2018, or whatever. It's like, whatever. Y'all was the fucking weird-ass ones dancing to some music of some fucking child rapist. Didn't make me any sense. But... Right this sense of cancel culture to me misses out on I think what generation x has to contend with and Mm -hmm. I think probably this new generation will figure out that time period in their lives when they will also contend with it but for Mm -hmm. us we have a lot of uh uh um um upside down world that we existed in right Mm -hmm. this upside down world of Clinton for us this upside down world of 9-11 9-11 for us, this upside down world of being in a generation where you said, fuck Bush, and then being in a generation where you was like, mm-hmm. Wait, did Bush Sr. actually say something that made sense, <laughs> but yet still fuck Bush? Like, But you have to be <laughs> doing all those things at the same time to understand what the truth mm, of the space is. Yeah. And if you don't have that person in the space anymore you can't and that's hip-hop too right we have to contend with a radical period of the 90s with some of the baddest women in fucking hip-hop ever and 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 i say baddest lyricists that happen to be women in hip-hop ever that never got their credit never got their due but also got space because of the men that put them in this space because although it was owned by white people it was also owned by patriarchy and so all these people got on because some man got them on very few people i think mc light is like the only one who got on um on her own right on her own record label no group no nothing just mc light so there is that tension that exists with hip-hop where i wish it would have evolved to the space of like where we were actually doing that work to do more Mm -hmm. of these conversations but instead i think what happened was more divisiveness and we didn't get to the yoga culture which is where hip-hop should have went is it's the it's obviously the place of the next level for hip hop. We should have been figuring out this this healing mm-hmm. space for hip hop. Mm-hmm. That that was the that's where I saw it going. And and what's what's wild about that is a lot of people didn't know about Dead Prez, but they know about Stick and his you know hip hop you know revolution connected to yoga and healing. And mm-hmm. they people know Russell Simmons that don't even know what Russell Simmons was behind. They're like, what's that from? You know, like what's, I mean, I've seen Death Poetry Jam. I've seen Death, you know. But mm-hmm. it's like this idea that these people who are so critically important, or even when you know Andre Harrell left the planet, um, you know, just the idea that there were a lot of people that just didn't know how much he meant in integrating or allowing hip hop to come into the fold and other genres of music so that we could feel it all at once. And I think on a certain level, I just, um, I don't know. I, I think what I've been seeing, especially during this quarantine, in my opinion, has definitely been a rise of hip hop. It's definitely been a lot of the artists who didn't have the platform to be picked or didn't have the, you know, they weren't trying to keep up with how many numbers and how many followers, they weren't trying to do that. They have been getting it on. And yes, D-Nice is in the front of that because he's the the one that people saw um, first. But Ninth Wonder was also right there with D-Nice. As soon as the quarantine broke, D-Nice, you know, Ninth Wonder was like- And and don't forget Erica. Don't forget Erica. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are- Up this whole space. 
Yeah, she did. And 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 real like I'm waiting for her to <laughs> announce how we can get on her platform. You know what I'm saying? Like she went and created one. So then it's like, okay, so what is it that all of these hip hop artists have to say now? Like right now they're educating. They're playing the music that had the messages. They're bringing the spirits of the ancestors, the forgotten, the under um underplayed, underserved, underspun, they're bringing them to the forefront so their voices can be be finally heard without the editing and the, you know, repression of their voices in mainstream radio and media. And I think that's so critically important because I know how many songs live in my body and in my head that I have not heard a DJ play until this quarantine in decades, you know, like, just like, where has this music been? You know, people are like, oh, Questlove from the Jimmy Fallon show. No. <laughs> I know. Roots, you know, like, this music. He be playing 24 around. hours a day, seven days a week on his damn Periscope, though. He be on that. Um, yeah. I think there's Definitely. also, like, a key idea when we talk about these elements of hip-hop, you know, these tenants of hip-hop, and that's how we did refer to them as tenants, you know, a way of life, uh, a way of life for us is that when you – you, you when you hit and you hit and right and you produce some work and then it's a cycle you move out of that cycle and you fall back to scholarship and what you see now is the people that have fallen back to scholarship because no longer they're no longer on top they're no longer in the center of the circle whatever age whatever happens they fell back to scholarship and they still have so much to contribute and they're telling us not just about the history of hip-hop they're telling us about the history of america and the history of our people and so yes. i take a lot from that and even how i do my work right like there is a place where when i'm not making a film i should be in a place of scholarship and mm -hmm. i think me and you and you and me um Kansu, talk a lot about this and i think we do this as like our core like i don't know what it is that i'm trying to teach right now but i'm on this tip so i'm gonna put this thing together and and we go and siphon on it and i think there's an important space of that work within hip-hop within america which within reckoning and healing the space that we are all in and maybe hip-hop can still save us you know yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I just want to say this is definitely a Sankofa exercise for millennials um, to have a documentation of just hearing, you know, oral st history um, mm -hmm. of hip hop coming through both for y'all right now. And I also want to add that um, Generation X got the answers. I think Generation X got a perspective that I feel like we all are going to need to lean into, you know, um, and understand. Because I, I feel like y'all lived enough you America lived to, I mean, you know, like, say that again. I was saying we lived in the switch. We lived in the switch as, as, as um, industries... Mm were building around voice and freedom of expression. We lived in the switch. And I didn't even say nothing about Luke because Luke is not mm -hmm. hip hop. But I will still say like that people was don't it was so critical. Oh my gosh. Like that people yeah, don't even he's realize critical. he's critical. How many of those pinnacle moments happened in the eighties and nineties that now are just commonplace. Like how many of those moments, like yeah. it's nothing to see a woman on stage in a video walking down the street 
with a thong or, you know, shaking a butt or whatever. It, you know, stripper culture. I will say the, the predominance of, of strip club culture came from Luke. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to, um, you know, beat around the bush on that. I'm going to say he definitely popularized it for people to be like, oh, wow. I, you know, if I didn't know, I want to know. And I went to school. I went to FAMU in Florida. And so I know how that whole culture is, was, does, you know. I mean, and how I would also it was say, like, a, a critical mm. place of Luke is um, Black sexuality that Luke gave a space for. Freak Nick during my time, which I never mm. went to, um, yes. was a key yes. place for all of us to hold a space of Black sexuality with each other in a very Black space, a Black economic yep. space, too. Um, yep. And in that time, I, I know this is crazy to say this because I do think a lot of rap right now, music is about some kind of sexual revolution. I don't necessarily always get it, but I, I do kind of like right. step back and let people do they do they things so that they can feel whatever freedom they need to feel within their sexuality and bodies and, and whatever kind of mm -hmm. freaky sex they want to have, whatever. But right. in that time period, you know, I, I think there is something about about us having a very strong discourse from about sexuality and about sex. I wouldn't say we were having a good conversation around um, homosexuality or heterosexuality or asexual right. or anything. Like we weren't as sophisticated as now, but we right. were like having straight direct talks. Like if you listen mm -hmm. to Queen Latifah, MC Light, Yo-Yo, um, mm -hmm. all them people mm -hmm. was talking about straight to men, like, fuck uh -huh. all that sex you talking right now. Actually, uh -huh. your sex is kind of whack, blah, uh -huh. blah, 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 because uh -huh. of yep. X, Y, and Z. Yep. And, and right now we're talking around like this trauma and hurt that's happening in hip hop culture. And I think back then we were having that conversation around trauma and hurt um, of the exploitation and, and of sex. And, and, and sexuality of men and women and that pain of history for us. Um, I, yeah. I, I want those pieces to be a part of this sexual revolution of hip hip hop, you know? And I wouldn't say yeah. that there's definitely things you don't want to learn from that generation. Like the misogyny, right. you don't want to learn that shit. You know, right. the, the way that we um, constantly ignored and dismissed um, uh, uh, homosexuality and lesbians and gays and anything other than straight regular ass sex like right you don't need to repeat that we need to take it to another place i mean um uh, i don't know if you guys oh what was the name of that uh, fucking group there's this group out of oakland and i used to love them love them love them and then i realized i loved them for so long because the the lead two rappers were gay and like there was just something very free about them in all their lyrics and it took it I, I i listened to them for a long time and then i was like oh shit that's why i like them but they struggled mm -hmm. and the reason they really made it made it didn't make another album is because of the repression of that um time period and, and we don't we don't know how to love the the dexterity of ourselves we don't know how to love the different degrees of ourselves as black people and that's where hip-hop should be taking us like it should be taking us to that like now learn to love yourself as a gay black man as a gay lesbian woman as asexual you know as whatever it is like learn to love yourself as that hip-hop right yeah and and not only that i think that was hip-hop to me 
the reason it felt so fresh and the reason it still feels fresh is because it was about discovery. It's about mm. discovery and exp- exploration. And mm. so just because you said something on wax didn't mean that you necessarily had experienced it yet. You might have been calling it to you, you know, as we say now, calling it in. Uh, there were a lot mm-hmm. of people who talked about having a lot of girls and then dropped the record and then the girls came, you know. So there was even this manifestation power, you, you know, with words that kind of went over a lot of people's mm-hmm. heads during that period that they were actually reciting mantras that were allowing them to manifest what it is that they that they wanted to see their lives become and their lives became that. Yes. And I would say yes. one of the latest examples of that, I saw it happen was definitely cash money. Like they just, they were like, we cash money millionaires. And everybody, I remember everybody being like, yeah, right. You're right, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, mm. it just became, you know, reality. So thinking about that, thinking about word sound power, thinking about uh, merging your ideas, your mm-hmm. visions with, uh, beats with you know beats that travel and carry and put in that vibration into the Mm. universe and then having the entire community recite it and chant it every time it comes on with you a hundred times a day on the radio how could it not come true and knowing that that kind of power existed whether we referenced Mm. it as that or not at the time doesn't really matter it's just the fact that that's what we could learn about that time so many dreams manifested from just Mm -hmm. saying them out loud where others could hear and literally Mm -hmm. broad casting them yeah i 100% mm-hmm. the power of the word that's that's that, that's a part of our tenants right the word had power if you said it you spoke it into existence so what are we speaking into existence with our rap right now with our hip hop mm-hmm. um i i think that's a question to ask mm-hmm. and i'm not saying Gen Z it's the yikes that's what <laughs> Right, right. What were you about to say about Jay Z? I want to hear that. Oh no, I ain't got nothing to say about Jay Z. <laughs> I ain't got nothing. I'm sorry. I like the first album, and that was my end of Jay Z. Like, I'm sorry, Blueprint. The first one was not my album at all. Um, never was. And then I moved to New York for a while, and oh, I got just Jay Z and yeah. East Coast wrapped out. You know, I was more yeah. into like the East Coast kind of underground um, folks, but Jay-Z was in it. And he was he was the, the man. I just got nothing good to say. I mean, I'm sure I've heard a couple things and I think they're good. <laughs> I mean, right. good. Like hip hop is not about being good. Hip hop is about pressing, mm-hmm. pressing, pushing past the, like that's the whole point of you yes. winning a battle is because yes. you outdid the right. cipher, right. right? You did something like revolutionary, yeah. and somebody gonna call you out. That's the shit the motherfucker did last week. That ain't yeah, new. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. You just yeah. rap really fast. That ain't new. What you doing? That's that's pushing us. Where you t- did you say something? Did you, did you do something phonetically? Did you do something with your body? Did you connect mind, body, and spirit? Did yeah. did you point us to a piece of a revolution that we have forgotten? I mean, during my time, we was rapping pretty much mm-hmm. daily in ciphers about the Palestine struggle. That was that was our that was like at the core for us was Native and and Palestinian struggles alongside of Black struggles, and that comes from Angela Davis, and that comes from the Black Panthers, and it comes from Martin Luther King. Like that informed us that that was what we were supposed to stand in the struggle with these were our people mm-hmm. and and everything you're saying the innovation of hip-hop right. is something that i mean hip-hop itself yes 
but then all of the the characters and archetypes and stories and visuals Story. and journeys that we were taking on. I mean, the Wu-Tang Clan is an entire innovation, you know? And I mean, who who was mm -hmm. making rap groups that look like boy bands? Like who was doing that? You know, who was doing that? Um, and then it, it became <laughs> something that everybody thought they could do, but Wu-Tang always remained, uh, in my opinion, they always remained, you know, a, a certain standard because all of their styles were so very different. You knew who you were listening to when the, when the voice switched to the next voice. This was not a question. You never mistook, you know, Ghost mm -hmm. for Cappadonna for Meth. You never mistook Rizzo for Jizza. Mm -hmm. You knew their personalities. You understood it. And that, I think that became how people started to understand hip hop as a brand, actually. They were like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's something here. They're like characters, like a cartoon. And it was just like, oh, no. <laughs> but it was this, it was this, it was this um, this flow of ideas of it. You know, I mean, when you hear Wu Tang on a record, it sounds like a cipher. It doesn't sound like someone <laughs> sat down and wrote this so yeah. that it would sound a particular way. It sounds like a cipher. And so, you know, the fact that mm -hmm. to see a lot of these, you know, artists, you know, grow and and you know they have empires and they have, you know, money, but they still are not compensated as well as some of these artists that are saying a fraction of what they said their entire career are compensated. And to me, that's not their fault, but it is their problem. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> like that that. <laughs> that becomes, mm. you know, a thing. And and hip hop, by the way, I'm gonna say this. Hip hop wasn't fat back then. Hip hop wasn't fat. So if we're talking about health, we're talking about wellness. I mean, people in hip hop danced, not just break dance. I mean, dance like you, you knew that there was a certain and we didn't think about it as like a, a healthy lifestyle. But there, you the music forced you mm. to be active. It forced you to be busy. Yeah. It was like that intention was in every song that was played. And the DJ was the doctor that was giving us mm -hmm. the medicine. Mm -hmm. So it was like that that just is it was an all-in-one system it was holistic I, it was I holistic wanna, i wanted just to say two points mm -hmm. but one to that is like a memory i have of like hip-hop parties where there would be full-on fights between like the b-boys and mm -hmm. folks that just wanted to groove right mm -hmm. so like b-boys mm -hmm. be taking up all the room doing their little <laughs> break dancing and shit spinning all around motherfuckers <laughs> on the end <laughs> the building, trying to get their dancing and be like you done yet you done and then eventually you just gonna have to push him up you like all right you done and now everybody can get to their groove and we right. can just get the dj to just groove it out right it ain't about right. to break right now it ain't about to break beats we just want to groove right and so our, mm -hmm. a party was important and the the vibration of a party was so much about our radical healing, but also about our radical protests. Like that is where you got all your information, right? Yes. And we, we had all the different segments of religion of black culture in there where we had girls with the kufis and, and the incense and we had the Muslims and we had, you know, yeah. uh, uh, whatever else, you know, religions up in there kind of informing us, but all coming together to understand where we should be pointing our energy and I think yes. there's something really important about there. And mm -hmm. I think that's a part of like a piece I'm always trying to understand is like, I need to go to community to understand which way I should be pointing. It's it's not just mm -hmm. about Maria's ego that she thinks she's so smart. Mm -hmm. She know which way to go. It is like checking with the community. Oh, they point in a little bit more left than you, or they point in a little mm -hmm. bit more right. What's going on there? 
Um, mm -hmm. And then the other piece that I mm -hmm. wanted to say is this film, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, which is um, by mm -hmm. Mac Michael Rappaport. It's about Tribe Called Quest. And I can tell you, I cried mm -hmm. <laughs> during this film. Me too. And Me too. it is, it is, um, it is kind of a, I call it a film that's a lesson. It's 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 a place where we should be understanding and educating ourselves on how movements fall apart. Like things fall mm -hmm. apart should be like the theme of this movie because mm -hmm. this movie is about how tribe called what sorry tribe called quest was the first kind of group to come out with money, and mm -hmm. so they started to pay for these recording sessions and just invite everybody in. So these early albums, you get all these like fucking heads on it and they just bangers and you got everybody with a bar and it's just fire, fire after yeah. fire. But everybody was constantly in the booth and they were constantly siphoning off of each other and they were constantly touring with each other and they were constantly working um, in this collaboration and in conversation with each other, which is I think so much important of black culture and that we are a communal people we were in conversation with each other. And if you've ever been at a black house before and everybody talking at the same time and you wondering how anybody know what anybody's saying, that's because <laughs> it's, it's just who we are and how we are. Um, and so at this, at um, this. <laughs> so part of this is also that the, um, No, it's all good. I'm sorry. I had to get up to check something. Oh, okay. I was just hearing my voice. So I was like, oh, okay. I was just hearing my voice. So I was like, oh, wait. I had to switch the speaker when I got up so that I could hear. Okay. Here we go. You should be good now. All right. Uh, so just like the end of this film is really about how there's this large um, connection of hip hop people. Almost everybody uh, almost everybody is in this movie. Um, but then you get to this point where they start speaking about like, what starts to break up Wu-Tang? What starts to break up Tribe Called Quest? Um, what, what, what's going on with the Fugees, you know? Um, and that is a large part of money. That is a large part of uh, the record industry throwing cookies at folks. Um, mm -hmm. And them also not clearly understanding where their power is within collective, right? They we have collective as a piece of our movement because collective is very important. If we collectively boycott, there is change. If we collectively vote, there is change. If we collectively grow food, there's change. But they broke down the collective. And so mm. the ciphers broke down and then the art changed and the music changed. Um, Pause. And it makes you cry. It makes your, you sound, cry. your sound is messing up on the computer. I want to fix this real quick. Okay. Okay, I fixed it. Yeah, it's working now. It yeah. feels good. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so please, can you re just repeat that we protest <laughs> the We protest <laughs> the <church. laughs> She's in the space. It's all yeah. up there. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's radio's on. Okay. So I guess I was just saying that the collective is also so much uh, a part of black culture, right? And the cipher is one of the tenets of hip hop. And so when we collectively do things together as people, whether we collectively boycott, 
that is effective, that is an effective place of protest. Um, when we collectively grow food, that is a collective place to feed the people. Um, when we collectively vote, then we can decide to change you know, politics if we decide to be in policy. So the collective is important, but here I, I really, and please let me know what you um, think, um, if you've seen the movie, is that they didn't realize their power of the collective. Absolutely. And so when they got all deterred from the collective and the cookies got thrown at them and they got the record deals, they all went off into separate recording booths. You know what I'm saying? Mm. They all went off to separate, awesome, amazing, polished equipment, dub, you know, everything they ever wanted. They went off into their solo recording booths and they recorded their album mm -hmm. the way they wanted to without community, without pointing with community, mm. without the collective. And and thus you see this just like, it's literally, this movie is literally like, here's the point in time where hip hop fell apart. Yeah. And, yeah, and I wouldn't know. say fell apart in a too dark way. It just fell into the individual and out of the collective. And, and, and that sound is different than the collective sound. Absolutely. Um, I think what I the thing that made me sad about it too is it reminded me of when we're when we're living, embodying and walking in our power and it's special to us, but we don't realize really how special it is in the world. We are waiting for a, a, mm -hmm. a, a token of validation to right. say, yes, it's special to us too. Instead of just continuing to walk in it, instead of just, you know, being that mad producer, you know, that just keeps putting out stuff regardless of whether people get it. Yeah. You know, yeah, it kind of um, it kind of reminds me of what I learned about hip hop watching that 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 doc, which was idolatry is a is a real thing for a lot of people <laughs> like it. It's so um, it's so deeply rooted that when the corporation presents it back to you, you almost don't realize that they're they're using a divisive tactic to your group because what it's really saying is we see you you're the star you're mm -hmm. the one we want to promote you're the one people like you're the mm -hmm. one you're the one you're the one but it doesn't speak to how many millions of albums you sold together and so then the person mm -hmm. who's being idolized starts to believe that they're yeah. the ones with the juice the that nobody else the has it. Yeah. yeah and in hip-hop that's so easy to do because the egos are already on 10 because they're literally spitting out you know, with their life force, what they think mm -hmm. about the world they live in and how they're going to affect it and live in it. And so when people start saying, you know, Tip, you're the star, you yeah. know, um, you know, RZA, you're the money behind this, Skip who the, who, Skip Meth, who might be the star to some people, right. whoever the people are that are, that are representing certain aspects of success, those are the people that get pushed to the top. And then the other people start feeling away, like, so did I not contribute? Did I not? Yeah. Um, you know, wasn't I not wasn't I part of a group that people still want to see? And so when all of these reunions started coming up of hip hop stars and you just like, oh, how are you going to do a tour with two people? Like it was for y'all or, you know, how does this happen? Or even that people will remember on some level that there was a bust of rhymes, but they will not remember L.O.N.S. Like, how is that even possible? Mm -hmm. Like, because that's where I saw Buster Rhymes. That's when I saw Buster Rhymes, too. That's when yeah. Buster Rhymes was $5. Like, Man. you saw all them motherfuckers, all of them. And it was so many of them, not all of them end up on stage. So half the time, you're just I hanging see. out with them and smoking inside. Exactly. I mean, I mean there's, a, there's a piece that I just want to point out. So we did, like, this um, 
when I was in college, we did like a hip hop class. And I always think about this kind of sense. And I think you mentioned it, um, one of you mentioned it, that um, there is a piece of hip hop that is tribal, mm -hmm. right? And for those who have never really been in a cypher or under, understand what like a cypher is, um, the cypher is the tribal place, right? So the cypher is a circle. And in that circle, somebody goes into the center. And in the center, you either perform, do your thing, whatever it is, freestyle, go off the top, hit your lyrics, whatever, or you battle. And that's how you determine the cypher, the collective, determine who gets more center space than the collective. Mm -hmm. But pretty much everybody in the circle gets their spot in the center and they take up some of that spot, but the best people take up more of the center. But anybody mm -hmm. who's on the top can be battled for that position for more mm -hmm. time. And that's mm -hmm. how we that's how we together before the internet, before taking polls, before everybody thumbs up and enheartening shit, we was already doing that shit in a much more organic way. You know, mm -hmm. deciding why Q tip or or Busta got got the time that they got and any one of them was up for taken right like uh -huh. anyone at any time your car could be pulled there was not any money or any corporation or any white producer saying no you are it and we will protect your 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 brand at all right. costs right yeah and and then that mm. particular by the people kind of choosing got replaced by chess tactics. Yep. And so if you think of someone like Jay-Z, who is an incredible chess player, uh, yep. <laughs> obviously, uh, we, we can almost forget that Nas ethered him. We can almost forget yep. that. We yep. can almost forget that because no one else that we know would have survived that and still been able to have a career or a beautiful girlfriend. Or, you know, in the old days of hip hop, there was no way you could get eaten alive publicly the way that Nas <laughs> and still have a career. Yeah. But mm. Jay pulled a chess move and was like, <laughs> Nas, you want to be on the label that I'm the president of? Come to Def Jam. And took a photo op and everything. And a lot of people didn't even see that as a chess move. It was like <laughs> Jay was saying, <laughs> you might have won the battle, but I win the war always. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got the like, empire. Like, exactly. <laughs> I can hire you, talent. You know, it was just like, wow. And so I think a lot of people mm -hmm. started using achievements in, in, you know, financial success, corporate success, um, you know, kind of being the people in that realm as identifier of who the biggest kingpin is now. Who's the bigger, you know, who's the best rapper? And sometimes you realize that it's not the person who has the most money or the person who has the highest ranking position. It's all the people that they had to eat in order to be in that position. All the people they had to sit mm -hmm. on their shoulders of to get to that position. I remember Jay-Z when he was with Jazzo. Like that was not the Jay-Z that people met. But at the same time, nobody's talking about jazz. <laughs> They're talking about Jay. And mm -hmm. you know, Jay placed himself right up there with Biggie and, and Tupac, said it. Like, I see myself right here with Nas, Biggie, and Tupac, like all of y'all, like, and, and positioned himself to rise. So even if your perception was, Jay's not that great of a rapper, let's just say you had that perception. It would be hard to say in the beginning, but let's say you had that <laughs> perception, you know, you would still see him as claiming that spot and nobody refuting it worth talking about 
that he couldn't out he couldn't out rap or out talk. And so um, and his platform was bigger and louder and stronger than a lot of rappers even at that time. So mm-hmm. a lot of our perception, even though we know who our favorites are, is still corporate based. Big Daddy Kane is one of my favorites. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. I got know, a, I, I got a big hold on, I got a big daddy daddy. <laughs> 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 Kane is one of my grandma. favorites. Right, right, right. Kane is one of my favorites. 88, you know, was a great year for hip hop. And so Kane, that Raw album, um, you know, it, you just can't, it doesn't get much better than that. But Kane was also someone that Jay-Z that, looked up to. It's a big daddy thing. Yes. Gotta play Ain't No Half Stepping. That has some of my favorite Ain't lyrics. Ain't No Half Stepping. Yes. <laughs> yeah, mm. I was gonna say something uh, to kind of, oh, can I just take it back to, and then we can close out soon because I have to go soon. But mm-hmm. um, I'm just gonna take it back to the J. Cole thing and the no name thing. Um, and, and this relates to what she's saying. It is that. You at at like a part. There was a time in hip hop, and this just when you mentioned the Nas Jay Z Jay Z thing. I remember Nas came to um, San Francisco to perform at the Fillmore, right? And this was through during like some of the great um, time for the Bay Area hip hop, like '93 to Infinity, uh, Souls of Mischief, um, uh, all these groups, and like you know, folks was coming to battle as soon as he came off the thing, right? And Nas had the idea like, nah, I'm Nas now, I ain't got a battle. And it was like, nah, you got a battle. Mm-hmm. And and that means Nas, though, did battle. I, I think, I don't remember what happened. I think Nas probably won. But um, <laughs> um, but the sense of that, that local, right? That, mm. that baby rapper or that, that local rapper that don't have the same platform that you have was on your radar without the internet. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Right. They, they were. He knew he was coming to like he know when he go to Detroit, when he go to Chicago, when he go to Miami. Motherfuckers coming, and they yep. they coming to be like, nah, Miami got the best rappers, and they come mm-hmm. to do the test. And so that sense of J Cole not knowing no name, and then discovering all this stuff like ah, like that's your job, motherfucker. You right. should know the, the ones coming right up under you just that's about to take your cart. Oh, but right. you got that security. You, mm. you got that security team, right? You you got that label that got your security. So you ain't got to know about the ones coming up. You ain't worried about nobody pulling your cart. So how do you know you actually that good? Or or as I or as I told Kansu, he's up here talking about it's going to take a thousand years before celebrity and idolatry is dismantled. And it's like, who waiting on a thousand years? Ugh. Who waiting on a thousand years, bro? Are you saying that for your own uh, career security? We're not waiting on a thousand years to stop. Even the people who are at the, at the, at the helm of idolizing celebrities, they right. not waiting a thousand years. That's mm-hmm. not going to continue a thousand years. It's not even going to continue 50. It probably won't mm-hmm. continue 20. It may end in 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not going to be a sustainable model as time goes on. And it, one of the reasons it's, it's not going to be... I agree with that 100%, 100%. Yeah. And one of the reasons it's not going to be is because they're going to start saying, we're not paying you to be at the top tier. We're not choosing to use our profits to keep you at the top mm-hmm. tier. You'll have yeah. to figure out something else. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, and, you know, I wanted to say like, here's my radical idea. And I, and I do it a part of me. This is how I work. And I really encourage everybody else. And we talk about this, you know, today and now, what is the thing that we can be doing to be um, useful to this time and space? And part of this thing of being useful is doing your thing like mm-hmm. doing your thing off the radar in the underground, right? Because that's how hip hop started. You dropping yep. gems. In yep, the yep. underground. And what happened? All of a sudden, the people leaned in and looked under every fucking crate and rock to find that album, to find that work, because yep. the people said it was a fucking hit. It was, you yep. had to read it, it would transform you. So I think. I know that sounds maybe Pollyanna, but it's kind of like good shit mm-hmm. will, will really outlive all this shit that's floating to the top right now. It's going to yeah. be there and people are going to lean into it and they're going to be like, ooh, Kansu, I heard about a play you performed in the yeah. street. What's up? What's up? How, how am I going to see this? How am I gonna see? And you're going to be pulled in by the people and the celebrities yeah. are going to fall because they're not doing the work. It's not about having the best equipment. Sorry, boo. It's it's not about having a team of marketing and promotion and management yes, team, mm-hmm. right? You can look at any artist from hip hop to blues to jazz. They had the instrument of choice and they fucking learned the shit out of that motherfucker. How did Miles Davis get to the point he was? How did uh, uh, Sun Ra get to the point he was? They right, learned right. the shit. How did John Coltrane play the notes in between? Yeah. Facts. And and to that, I would say, in addition to that, because that is it, people, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks because Prince made me think about it, people have to reinstate imagination as a revolutionary tool. We cannot cannot continue um, just, you know, feasting off of the food that's there. We have to somehow cultivate new ways of eating. Because we understand that systems are crumbling, but somehow people feel like the systems they love may not crumble. It'll just be the other ones. And we are being shown right now, all of them are falling. Systems are crumbling, the towers are falling. And so mm-hmm. grab you and yours and get in trance with what it is that makes you come alive. Because that is the thing nobody will ever have to press you to do. And that is the thing that you can command the biggest dollar. Because there are a lot of people right now who don't understand, oh, the world is going back direct, whatever, whatever. Okay, great. They don't understand the rules have changed. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to afford D-Nice now. I'm sorry for your little block party. It's not yeah. You're not going to be able to afford certain people to speak or to show up in the same ways that you treated them before. Because hopefully people during this time have been investigating and and soul searching about their own self-worth, about their own contribution, about how much time, energy, and effort when they are being still and fully creative that they have put and installed into what it is that they are expressing. And people are not going, in my opinion, this is how I see the vision, they're not going the same way that they came. So I don't don't know, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> how many people are realizing that that's happening but it's happening your game mm-hmm. is going to have to be stronger to collaborate and to be with people and I think right now we're in a very tribal period also um, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing I think that the tribes 
have to form because as people discover and understand themselves as one of one individuals, as they start to claim their unique path that their ancestors have contributed and that their practices and experiences have informed, they will get to the point where they'll start to understand that what it is that they are doing can only be done by them and they are an instrument of the divine and the way in which they do it is worth it all. It's worth it. You cannot get people to lowball themselves, hopefully, the way that people were before or to do it for next to nothing. I think people are coming for those reparations. That's just my opinion. Oops. Yikes. Oops. <laughs> oh, it's definitely happening. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, man. Thank y'all so much. This was the Thank dopest. You. Um, educational, spiritualized. So yes. Same to meet you, Maria. It was beautiful. I think this was a necessary conversation. I was like, I'm so tired. I don't know. Me too. Me too. I was, I was like, like, I don't got nothing to say. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> here. I was like, there's nothing else to say as I'm clicking the button to join the Zoom. I don't know. So it was just a, it was a beautiful spontaneous invitation i appreciate being a part thank you so yes much. and we are also grateful and uh we are definitely going to take y'all advice into the future with us um so thank y'all so much you got some thank yous going here on the chat uh, so god bless y'all y'all tune into generation x they got a perspective <laughs> I see you tonight at 5 p.m for films is, black film is protest everybody 5 p.m oh i'm coming oh yeah yes all right that's it y'all beautiful all right i got this john coltrane in the back but I, you know what i'm gonna get into some georgia and Muldro just because y'all know georgia is my girl she hip-hop as fuck is everything
I got this Georgia and Muldrow album up. I'm going to keep it going. Ancestral stuff. Listen to Georgia and Mojo is definitely a vessel of hip hop. Um, I mean, this is just an evolutionary sound, right? It's a scythe, but without words, it's instruments. It's also conjuring that jazz and rock memory. So, shout out to Georgia Ann. I had to pull her up because I would say artistically, outside of Q-Tip, um, it was interesting. He got brought up in the scythe between <laughs> Stacy uh, and Maria because I played him in the beginning of the show. I played songs that he had produced. Um, and now that I think about it, they're all very corporate songs in a way. Um, but it was, I, I mean, he's one of my favorite hip-hop artists, but it was interesting to examine 
you know, his genius in the collective tribe. <laughs> no, no pun intended that he was a part of. So, y'all, thank y'all so much for that. Um, I'm about to stop the broadcast and restart it just so I can archive that um, for our future historian records. Um, so, y'all just bear with me one second. <laughs> 